Were you a hardcore, did you dig back on KISS? Were you, I mean, I know we've already talked about KISS and obviously you're a KISS fan, but what I mean is, have you watched all of that 77 stuff? Oh, I watched all that stuff religiously. Well, I was going to say, your playing, your playing is unbelievable. Get my hands on it, you know? What I love is when Ace is just like winging it, like on something fast, like making love. And he ends up doing stuff that he, he could never do twice. I, you know what I mean? When he was really flashy then. Oh. And his phrasing was just unbelievable. And I think that really what we're looking at is a guy who's had a lot of water under the bridge, a few car accidents. Um, and, you know, there's no way. It's like going to see Dickie Betts now. Like Dickie Betts, I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, great guitarist. He could still play, but he didn't have the melodic ma uh, magic wasn't there anymore because he fried his brain. Well, you know, I think part of it is, and also like last night I was doing some guitar work and I put on that Kiss My Ass laser disc. Yeah. And, you know, it's got some good vintage clips. And it had some Houston, it had some Largo. Yeah. And yeah, it, you know, just what you're talking about, Ace is playing some of these riffs and his lead work is, it's amazing. Yeah, like certain songs he'll... he'll think about it, he was, that was probably his peak and that was like when he was his best. Well, I, I would say this. Once playing, you know, every night or every other night or really. Well, here's here's what I noticed. Top of it. Here's what I noticed, right? He got really good by 75, the stuff on Alive One, right? Because they've been playing those songs for fucking three years, right? Yeah. And then when they did Destroyer Live, he wasn't as good live because some of those songs weren't as easy to play and they weren't as like rowdy Kiss songs. the time they they got rock and roll rock and roll over out they got to play some of those more those new rock songs and then the best of the other ones and of course i love the you know listening to what a live two would have been in other words the other versions of firehouse and all the other tunes that they were doing live right that but anyway my point being 77 yeah i think that the concoctions were perfect like probably the pussy was perfect you know the drugs were ample and they were just on the roller coaster. The other thing I noticed, brother, is that like any version of Kiss without Peter Chris in it, the back the background vocals and the way they sing their choruses. It cannot compete with when Peter was singing because he wasn't singing really in 75 but in 76 and then 77 like every song is stronger than the version with Eric Carr or anybody else oh yeah and Eric yeah. Singer's flat he, I know he can sing but he still sings flat um, and, and they're always bad mouthing Peter and yet he's back there beating his ass and then he has to do Beth and like Black Diamond at the end of the show just dude, he steals. He steals. Peter was in all those, you know, 
bands before Kiss and probably doing the same thing or even singing lead. And I think some right. He he couldn't wait to he couldn't wait to sing. Right, like he's like dying to sing. His voice really added something to those backing vocals, just like you're saying. Oh, uh, dude, in some of his fucking screams on Black Diamond, like. Are ungodly. Oh, yeah. Nobody could do. Nobody. I'm saying nobody. Like I was just listening to, uh, you know, House of the Rising Sun today, and I'm listening to that vocal, and I'm like, yeah, I can bullshit it an octave lower. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You know when a guy's voice is just breaking. So anyway, this whole criticism that he is tone deaf. If he was tone deaf, he wouldn't be able to hang in there on the back vocals while playing drums. It's a lie. It's just one of these lies that really pisses me off. Though I have a few things, you know, and that's one of them. Then the other one is that Paul says that Ace didn't blossom as a guitarist. Now, granted, we knew that Ace was going downhill on drugs and stuff. But if you listen to Dynasty and compared to the first album and you say he didn't blossom, what? It's a completely different animal. He probably did blossom, but maybe because of boredom, he didn't really let it come out. And, and I think he knew he was going to leave. He was he said he was holding songs back, and I don't know if that's true. But, but you know, on that same laser disc, it goes to a show where Bruce Kulick is on there. And yes, Kulick is... A, I hate to say better guitar player. His leads are smoother, he's got more technique, but at the same time, there was something about Ace's tone that was piercing and, and in your face, where Bruce's tone was sort of, it was there, but it wasn't as in your face. Right, you know, it's funny though, I was thinking about, I, I, if I could re-interview Bruce Kulick, there's a bunch of other shit I'd ask him, and one of them would just be like, were you ever in a band, like, in comparison to like the Animalized tour where you had to play that fast the whole show like I wonder if Ace could have hung in there at that speed or if they would have ever gone that fast if Ace stayed with the band right I mean my god they were coming out like they would get like shot out of a cannon right <laughs> I know that's a joke because they had a cannon but by the time they hit the stage on Animalized they were like running on a habit trail you know what I mean like they're fucking running around like just it's hilarious to watch now but Paul Paul became the best front man most comfortable he ever was was 83 84 and it's certainly not 77 and that's what my review was about that at that time it's clearly a four-wheel band they're all competing for attention you know Ace ends up winning that battle when they when they start playing in Australia and stuff or getting more you know credence but at that time 77 man Obviously, they were the biggest fan in the world. And just to watch them, Paul is not yet, like, he's the ringleader, but he's nowhere near as comfortable on stage as Gene, Ace, or Peter. Yeah, and even though he, you know, sang great and he would talk in between songs. I don't mean shit, I don't care. <laughs> and then in the, you know, in the... In the 80s, he was kind of a different creature. Maybe the makeup had something to do with that, too, because now he wasn't the star child. He was just Paul Stanley. Yeah, but, dude, also, though, his voice, like, he he became a, like, instead of trying to be a hard rock singer, he became, like, a singer, and his voice got higher and higher. 
he did things you would have not thought he could do. Like, and he also, I, I just think he perfected. Like, I mean, granted, Kiss is loud, right? But I mean, he's running around playing guitar, and granted, those songs aren't that hard to play, right? But I mean, the way he is so comfortable with a guitar, just when he's doing that running in place thing that he used to do while he's. You know, at the microphone. Oh, how are you fucking doing that, dude? And from a distance, like I took my ex-wife to see Kiss, and she kind of like had her perception of Kiss just from the outside, right? Not a fan. And she looked at me after the show and she said, "I didn't realize it's it's really Paul Stanley's band, isn't it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it is." <laughs> she expected Gene to be talking or something or you know do something besides you know vomit. left, you know, and Bruce came in, sure, he was a great guitar player, but you just didn't, he wasn't as upfront as like Ace was. Well, what's cool is when you went to see them in 96, right? You didn't know who to watch. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, you're kind of like, you're kind of like, it's so exciting. I had ever seen the original Kiss perform. 96, me too. Yeah. I had I had seen the maybe it was the Asylum tour in like '84 from you know like a nosebleed seat and I I don't know I I wasn't impressed I didn't really like it and it, maybe at that point maybe Bruce was the best part of the show because you know in the '80s he was he was a great player he was a very advanced and fast player just like you said did you go and see Hot in the Shade? Uh. Well, it didn't have the Sphinx. It had the huge logo behind them. Well, that—that's Asylum. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you didn't go. You, you you didn't go to any of the other unmasked shows. No, no. But in that time, um, I didn't really have any interest, and in I just went to that one show because other friends wanted to go, and I was like, okay, you know, whatever, and, you know. Well, it was kind of, it was really fun going to that Kiss Expo that day. I had never been to one of those. And, uh... Oh, the little one you're talking about? Yeah, um, the one at that, that little hotel in New Jersey. I didn't know what it would yeah. be like. Well, it's a shame you didn't get to go to a real, a real one, because, I mean, that was kind of a... I don't want to use the word a joke compared to a Kiss Expo, but it was like... That was, you couldn't even call that Kiss Expo. There was a big one in Chicago. Kiss Expo. (laughs) They did the Kiss Kiss Expo that they put on in Chicago. was pretty good. Um, Yeah, dude, I was just, I'm just... Did you go to the one when Ace was there? He didn't come to Chicago. He didn't come to Chicago. uh, 94. He didn't come to the Kiss Expo in Chicago. Yeah, I went to the one that Ace was a guest at. Yeah, but not in Chicago. Yeah. Well, fuck, so, what would, wait a minute, so you were at one of his, were you at, did he do another show in town or just did the expo? I, I missed that. I don't know how the fuck I missed it, that. It was just an expo and, uh... I, there's no footage Chicago, of that. I'm pretty sure it was 94 and I drove out, well, no, I flew out with Richie Rano and, uh... Holy shit. 
And my job was to, I went and picked up George Stewart from the airport, and then I went and picked up Ace at the airport, and I practically had to drag Ace off of the plane. He was the last person, and they wanted him to get off the plane, and he was sitting there eat, trying to eat a cheeseburger, and they're like, well, is he a friend of yours? I'm like, yeah, they're like, well, if you could go get him, remove him from the plane, because we need to clean the plane. Holy shit. Oh, Bill, I don't know anything about this, so this is what this episode's about, but somehow this escaped. I feel like this was a blind spot in my Chicago history. Like, I thought I went to every gig that Ace played in town. Um, so, so, you, so at this point, I mean, that's, that's a revelation to me, Bill, based on the conversations we were having before. So at some point, your guys' relationship got even closer for you to come out on the road and be involved in the logistics of of his uh, convention appearance. appearance. Well, I guess Richie just figured, well, you guys are friends, so you you take care of him. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, we actually... Uh, so was he drunk? Why, why didn't he want to get off the plane? Because uh, he just didn't want to get up. <laughs> he was, I don't know, I guess he was just tired or whatever. And so is I... This a, is this an effect? And it, we walked off the plane and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, we, we drove back to the hotel and he didn't really like, I don't know, he wanted to do everything but go to the hotel. We stopped to get something to eat and some iced teas and uh, then we finally went back to the hotel and he just wanted to go up in his room and be by himself. Was he talkative? Uh, was he just like in a bad mood about doing the, the convention, do you think? he's That bums him out? Like... Uh, you know, it's like I think at first he was a little, at first he was a little cranky. And then as we got in the car, we were driving and we were talking. I was trying to just lighten the mood. And then then he kind of came around and he wanted to stop and get something to drink. And things seemed to get better and we had more fun. And then um, went back to the hotel and uh, he just wanted to go into his room. And I didn't really see him until the next morning. And of course, people are calling me saying, where's Ace? Is he going to come down to the bar? Is he going to? I'm like, no, no, we'll, you'll see him tomorrow. And then in the morning he called me and he's like, oh, so what time am I supposed to be at this convention? So, you know, I had to, I had to find out. And meanwhile, you know, George is like, okay, well, we got to get Ace down. Nobody gave you, nobody gave you an itinerary? Is it just vague to you now? I just, I vaguely remember. So take me through, take me through. I still have like a, a, I think we were at a Holiday Inn. I still have a pad with the room numbers and phone numbers or whatever of everybody. And and then of course, meanwhile, there's these girls calling me asking, oh, what room is Ace in? I'm like, geez, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. Gee, I, I understand. So take me through the next day, Bill, whatever you remember about it, the convention and whatever stands out, dude. I mean, this is really cool. I, I brought the, uh, I had this, I had the big trouble walking banner and I brought that with me in a duffel bag and I had a maintenance guy pulled out the scaffolding and we hung it up. So at least there was some like ace thing because I couldn't really bring a museum. Um, but, you know, Dealers were there. People were set up. People were hang, hanging out. And but in this case, in this you know, case, comes down and gets up and does this question and answer. And I'm 
bought a camera. I got a lot of great pictures. And then he sat there signing autographs, and they lined people up. And I sat with him for a while, and it was very interesting. And um, I even wrote about a little bit of it in my book because some girl comes up, and she's she's dressed out in lots of jewelry and very rock and roll looking, and she hands these this plate covered in tin foil and then hands him like some weird jewelry and says, oh, can you sign my photo to the cookie and jewelry lady? And <laughs> he looks at me and he says, what did she say? And I said, cookie and jewelry lady. And he just burst out laughing. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and so of course I start laughing again and he like composes himself and he says, now, what was that again? What, what's your name again? Uh, the cookie and jewelry lady. And he just starts laughing again. And then she's looking a little embarrassed. And she says, well, I give celebrities, you know, jewelry and, and I bake cookies. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. You know, and he signed the photo. And, you know, the jewelry was nothing great that he would never wear. And the cookies, George actually took them and said, well, you won't be eating those because, you know, we didn't know what he Right, you don't have a beef eater. They didn't make you test the test the cookies. No, he didn't. George wouldn't even let me eat them either. So uh, you know what'd be funny, Bill? That that I remember that we opened it up. They look like really good chocolate chip cookies, but you just don't eat things that people bring you. You know. Well, you know what's funny? When I was on tour with Tommy Stinson, every town we went to, girls brought him cookies. I swear to God. I don't know if it's like a thing that he likes cookies and he ate them and we ate them. And in fact, it was so cold that we left them in the car so they could stay frozen and fresh. <laughs> and then we had so many cookies by the like seventh date that he's like, when we were going into this one club, he's like, hey, grab one of those giant bags of cookies. Let's give some cookies to everybody. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's some kind of thing. I mean, I, you know, I felt really bad for the gal because she seemed a little... You know, hurt by the fact that he was laughing, but it was just—it just caught him so off guard. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting sitting there with him and watching him interact with the fans. And someone—I remember somebody came up and they were crying, and he—he he was very compassionate. He goes, "What are you crying for?" And they were like, "Oh, I'm just so nervous to meet you." And I remember he took their hand. He's like, "Don't be nervous. It's okay." And they practically almost fell over. But uh, wow. Yeah, he was really good with the fans and. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, and I remember there was a Kiss tribute band that played that night. Hotter than hell. And uh, was it? Was no, I don't think it was hotter than hell. I think it was a band called Mr. Speed. Oh, they're great. Um, yeah, but the, it was probably their original incarnation or something. But I remember they're really good. Yeah. And I think I remember Ace saying, "You know, I don't know if I want to get up and play with them." I don't think he did, but. I remember him saying that I wish your band was playing and we could play together. I was thinking like, oh, wow. that would be so cool, you know? And then I think the next day we all got up and we had to go to the airport and uh, we gave Ace a ride to the airport. And we were I brought this book, this Elvis book that I had just got. It was called Graceland. And I was showing it to Ace and I'm like, Ace, look at all this great Elvis memorabilia in here, this is really cool. I said, you know, your memorabilia is like that, and it's, maybe it's gonna be in a book someday or something. And we were looking at like Elvis's driver's license and Elvis's this and that. And when he closed the book, he looks at the cover and he puts his hand over the G and the R and it says Ace Land. 
conventions or anything, right? Um, well, no, uh, no, this is, that was 94, so no, I had already played, you okay. know, I already done them, and I already played it some. So let me ask you, for this convention, though, you were not doing a booth or anything, you were there in official capacity with Ace Freely. Uh, yeah, I just, I just went to help Richie, and I only brought that, that trouble walking backdrop, and that was it. So, dude, now I take... Was to just kind of, and I just wanted to go hang out, too, and Richie had invited me along to come help, so... Hey, Bill, take me back to the moment right again. Just walk me back through what happened there. Had he... You think he's done that before, or he just had a moment of clairvoyance and decided to do that with his hand? You know, the Ace Land? Yeah. I, no, I just think that was just a spur-of-the-moment thing. I don't think he ever really thought of that, you know? And I was making him aware of like, hey, you know, the old kid stuff is one day going to be cherished like Elvis stuff is. Right. Now, you realize that in Ace's, uh, in that book by Wendy Moore, she said that he had like a morph going on a screen on a computer, morphing between his face with makeup and Elvis Presley over and over again, just running on a loop. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. So that would be later on. I knew that he, he, you know, he told me that he, that he loved Elvis, and he told me that he even saw Elvis, but, um, you know, I was really, like, just discovering Elvis, and that was, like, the first book that I bought, so. Can I ask you something, Bill? You, you know that Ace is, is part Cherokee. Right. And did that, is that part of his spirit? Is that, is that a, 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 like I said, when I first met him, even though I'd seen a million pictures and seen him play live, when I walked into the room, it was just me and him, I got a vibe, and I had this instant message in my brain was, oh my God, he's an Indian chief. I know that sounds crazy, but that was the, and it was a surprise to me to think that, because I was thinking a million other things about Ace Frehley as I'm meeting him. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering, is that something that, and I know he has some items that have meaning that he wears and stuff. Is that anything he ever talked about or you pick up on a vibe there? He never brought any, brought that up ever. He never, uh, I, I don't know, it's just, and I would try to always talk to him about things other than music or the same old, same old. Right. That was, that's what would perk him up would be when you talk about something else. Computer graphics or, uh, you know, just anything else. And not guitars, not kids, not, you know. Do you think he's, you know, he said over the years he has stage fright and he, you know, it feels icky that people are like, you know, worship him and stuff. Um, do you think he kind of looks forward to that or is he just like, because it was a KISS convention, maybe, that he kind of felt weird about doing it, or do you think he really enjoys the opportunity? Was he dying to get out of there, or would he want to meet everybody? Uh, you know, 